Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. Have you recovered from the camels and the goats? Yeah. Inshallah, today's lesson will be very different, as you will see. You will find it much more relevant to you, inshallah. And I hope this will also answer a lot of your questions related to zakat and spending in general, inshallah. And also a lot of inspiration to take from these ahadith also. Okay, a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihil kareem, rabbish rahli sadri wa yassirli amri, wahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli, rabbi zidni ilma. Bab az-zakati ala al-aqarib. Az-zakati ala al-aqarib. Az-zakat, giving zakat to who ala al-aqarib. Aqarib are the close relatives of a person. So the question over here is that is it permissible to give zakat to one's close relatives? And why is this a question? Because there is an ayah in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly mentions who zakat is to be given to. Does anybody know that ayah? Where is that ayah in the Quran? Does anybody know? Yeah? Very good. So this ayah is in Surah At-Tawbah and it's verse number 60. And in this verse, eight categories of people are mentioned. And it's very clear that zakat is to be given to these people. And there are eight. Who are they? In the ayah it says, إِنَّمَا الصَّدَقَاتُ لِلْفُقَرَاءُ It is for, first of all, fuqara. Fuqara are poor. So, and a faqir person is described as someone who doesn't have anything. So like a homeless person, for example. This is who? Fuqara. Then masakin, those who are in need. Meaning they have something, but they don't have enough to fulfill their needs. Then the third is, وَالْعَامِلِينَ عَلَيْهَا Those who are appointed to work on collecting, distributing, managing zakat. So basically their pay is going to be taken from the total zakat funds. Then the fourth is وَالْمُؤَلَّفَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ This ayah is not mentioned in your book, but you can just, you know, take the pointers down for yourself. The fourth is those whose hearts are to be softened for Islam. Alright, meaning when you know that there are some people who are very close to accepting Islam. This is not a bribe, but this is just in a way, you know, help them. All right, help them become more firm on Islam. We hear stories about how people convert to Islam and then they go through so much difficulty. So just to make their life easy, zakat can also be given to them. So وَالْمُؤَلَّفَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ Then وَفِرْرِقَابِ Riqab is freeing slaves. Then وَالْغَارِمِينَ غَارِمِينَ are people who are under the burden of debt, meaning they're not able to pay off a loan, so they're constantly burdened by it. And then, وَفِي سَبِيلِ Those who are in the way of Allah. And then finally, وَبْنِ sabil Travelers. So, did you hear the word relative? Are relatives mentioned here? No, they're not. So, it's very obvious that in this verse, relatives are not mentioned. So, now there's a question. Can a person give zakat to his relatives? Hmm? Because what if the relatives are poor and needy? They are fuqara and masakin. So can zakat be given to them? Or for example, they are in debt. Can zakat be given to them? So Imam Bukhari brings proofs over here. وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ said, لَهُ أَجْرَانِ أَجْرُ الْقَرَابَةِ وَالصَّدَقَةِ this is a portion of a hadith that will come later. And what this means is that lahu ajran. For him are two rewards. Meaning when a person gives charity to a relative, then they will get double reward. 
Why double reward? The first reward is Ajrul Qaraba. It is the reward for Qaraba. Qaraba is close relationship. Meaning, just the fact that you are giving something to a relative, that itself is a means of reward. Because now you're being good to a relative. And that itself is reward worthy. And then the second reward was sadaqah. The second is for giving charity. So there are two acts of righteousness combined in giving something to a relative. What are those two acts of righteousness? The first is being good to a relative. And the second is charity. So this is why double reward. So it's very clear then that there is double reward for giving charity to a relative. But is this only for voluntary charity or for zakat also? You understand? Can you give zakat to a relative also? This is a question. So the answer to that is yes, it is permissible, but there is a rule. What is that rule? Zakat is not to be given to those relatives whom a person is obligated to spend on. Okay? What does that mean? You see, there are some people that are dependent on you. They're your dependents. You have to spend on them. Like, for example, a man must spend on his wife. A man must spend on his children. And also on parents. So these are who? Your dependents. Likewise, if you have a sibling living with you, they have no source of income. They're not able to make an income. And they are dependent on you entirely. Then you are required to spend on them. So zakat cannot be given to which relatives? Your dependents. But the non-dependents, like for example, a distant cousin, or likewise, some relative of yours, you know, they live in their own house, but they are you know, in a lot of debt or they, you know, their business just crashed or, you know, they are at the level of fuqara, masakin, then can you give them zakat? Yes, you can. It's not your obligation. Unless, you know, for example, there's a man, he's got sisters, like we learn about Jabir radiallahu anhu. He had sisters and his sisters were with him. So he was, you know, he was required to spend on them. They were his dependents. But if, for example, your brother has his own house, or your sister has her own house, they're established in their own lives, they're not your dependents. Your children are your dependents. Your spouse, your wife is your dependent. But now there's a question, what if the dependents, like for example, the children, all right, or even the parents, are in a situation where they need help, all right? Like for example, you know, they have a lot of debt to pay off. Or they are faqir or miskin. So you are obligated to spend on them, but you don't have so much that you can, you know, take care of your needs and also their needs. All right. Or for example, your father has taken a loan and all of a sudden he's not able to pay it off. And now, even though you're not obligated to pay off his loan, all right, but he's in such a financial crisis that can you help him with zakat? You understand? Now this is a question that what about your dependents? Can you give zakat on them? So there's again a condition over there. If a person, if they are in debt, alright, and you pay off their debt from your zakat, there's nothing wrong with that. This is permissible. Why? Because by giving them zakat, you are not 
saving your wealth. By giving them zakat, you're not protecting your wealth. The prohibition is of giving zakat in order to save your wealth. This is what you're not allowed to do. So for example, a person says, you know what? Why should I pay my child's fees? I'll just give my, give my zakat. I'll use zakat money to pay my child's fees. You can't do that. You are saving your money by using zakat on your obligations. Likewise, a person says, I'll just use the zakat money to pay off the bills. Alright, because my family uses the house. Alright, you can't do that. You cannot use, give zakat in order to save your money. But if you are giving zakat to a relative, alright, that is dependent on you, and that's not going to save your money, alright, then that is permissible. How is it not going to save your money? That, for example, you have very little in the first place. You have very little in the first place. It's a matter in which you're not obligated to spend on them. Like for example, their loan. Okay? Then you can give zakat over there. So in summary, what's the summary? Zakat is to be given to dependents when? When? Okay? In paying off their debt. Right? When it's the only money you have. Alright? Good. And when you're not waving off your duty to spend on them. Alright? When you're not waving off your duty or avoiding your duty to spend on them. Alright? Yes. Go ahead. Exactly. Because you're not obligated to pay off someone's debt. Right? So it's not your obligation to pay off your father's debt. Alright? Now, it's so much debt that if you were to give from your own money, then you would be bankrupt. Right. So if you are using some of your zakats to help him pay off his loan, that's okay. Alright. But then again, there's a condition that some of zakat can be used. Not all of it, some of it. Alright. Go ahead. It's just an example. Alright. Because, uh, you know, if they fall in any of those categories, any, any of those eight categories, alright, then zakat can, they can be recipients of zakat over there. If they really fall in that category, like they are very clearly a faqir, and you are also, you know, you don't have that much that you take care of their needs, all right, and that you give them a little extra to alleviate another need, so their zakat can be used. Okay, what's the hadith now? حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن إسحاق عن إسحاق بن عبد الله بن أبي طلحة أنه سمع أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه يقول So Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, he reported, that كان أبو طلحة أكثر الأنصار بالمدينة مالا من نخل. That Abu Talha radiallahu anhu was the wealthiest of the Ansar in Medina with respect to owning date palms. Meaning he had the most amount of date palms in Medina. So you can imagine that he was one of the richest people. And when it came to real estate or, or when it came to date palms and, and such property, he had the most. And by the way, what's the relationship between Anas radiallahu anhu and Abu Talha? Exactly. Anas radiallahu anhu, his mother was Umm Sulaim. Alright? His mother was Umm Sulaim. And Umm Sulaim married Abu Talha. Do you remember the story where a man came to a female companion and he proposed to her and she said that, but you're not a Muslim, so how can I marry you? And he accepted Islam. Do you know that story? Okay, so this is actually her story. 
that Abu Talha was the richest of people and he proposed to Umm Sulaim and Umm Sulaim refused to marry him because he was not a Muslim. So this actually brought him to Islam. So he accepted Islam so that Umm Sulaim would marry him. All right, And we talk about people converting to Islam for the sake of marriage and we judge people for that. But this was actually her mahr. This was her mahr. She said that this would be my mahr if you accept Islam. And so uh, they got married. And this story is also mentioned in Bukhari. So Umm Sulaim had Anas radiallahu anhu from a previous marriage. And this Anas radiallahu anhu is the same 10-year-old boy who was brought to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to serve him. So Abu Talha was very wealthy. وَكَانَ أَحَبَّ أَمْوَالِهِ إِلَيْهِ بَيْرُحَا And his most beloved property, meaning out of all that he owned, what he loved the most was Bayruha. Bayruha is the name of a garden all right, that he owned in Medina. And this garden, وَكَانَتْ مُسْتَقْبِلَةَ الْمَسْجِدِ It was in front of the masjid. So now you're looking at location. وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَدْخُلُهَا And the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to enter that garden وَيَشْرَبُ مِنْ مَاءٍ فِيهَا طَيِّبٍ And he would drink from its good water. So now it's not just a garden of date palms. It's a garden that is also beautiful. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is coming to it. And it's also got water in it. And it was good water, not salty, bitter water, good water. قَالَ أَنَسٌ فَلَمَّا أُنزِلَتْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ Anas said that when this ayah was revealed, which ayah? That لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ That you can never attain piety until you spend out of what you love. قَامَ أَبُوْ طَلْحَةَ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ Abu Talha went to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. فَقَالَ So he said, يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ O Messenger of Allah إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى يَقُولُ Indeed, Allah the Exalted says that لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ You can never attain piety until you spend out of what you love. This is what Allah says. وَإِنَّ أَحَبَّ أَمْوَالِي إِلَيَّ بَيْرُحَا And the most beloved of my property to me is my garden, بَيْرُحَا وَإِنَّهَا صَدَقَةٌ لِلَّهِ And it is, meaning I give it in charity, for the sake of Allah. Arju birraha. And I hope it's bir. Meaning the reward for giving this. I hope for reward for this. Wa dhukhraha indallah. Dhukhr is basically what you deposit, what you store. So I hope that Allah will reward me for it. And I intend to store it with Allah. I intend to preserve it with Allah. Because what you give to Allah is saved, it is stored. And what you keep with yourself, what you use, runs out, it finishes. فَضَعْهَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ حَيْثُ أَرَاكَ اللَّهِ So give it, O Messenger of Allah, wherever Allah shows you. Meaning, do whatever you want with this garden, I leave it to you. قَالَ فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ said, بَخْ Excellent. ذَلِكَ مَالٌ رَابِحٌ This is very profitable wealth. ذَلِكَ مَالٌ رَابِحٌ This is very profitable wealth. You see the word بَخْ. بَخْ is 
you know, a word that is used to express amazement. The Arabs would say this when they were really happy, really happy about something. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Bakh, and he repeated, This is very profitable, meaning this will inshallah bring you a lot of reward in the hereafter. And then he said, وَقَدْ سَمِعْتُ مَا قُلْتَ And I have heard what you said. وَإِنِّي أَرَى أَن تَجْعَلَهَا فِي الْأَقْرَبِينَ And I think, I see, not I think, I see that you should give it to your relatives. فَقَالَ أَبُوْ طَلْحَةَ أَفْعَلُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So Abu Talha said, I will do that, O Messenger of Allah. فَقَسَمَهَا أَبُوْ طَلْحَةَ So then Abu Talha, he divided that garden amongst his relatives and also in the sons of his paternal uncles. So meaning he gave its portions to who? Some of his relatives and also his cousins. In another narration, we learn the word in place of where the Prophet said this is a very profitable wealth. It's also been transmitted as malin rayih. And what is rayih? Rayih is one that goes. Okay, one that goes. So this is wealth that was going to go anyway. But you saved it by giving it to Allah. It was going to go anyway. And this is the reality of wealth, no matter what it is, even real estate, that either you're going to leave it or it's going to leave you. So what is given to Allah is saved. How it's going to go away? Because this world is temporary. And also our you know life on this world is temporary. So we own something for some time and sooner or later it's going to become somebody else's property. Right? I mean we go to Medina now and where is this garden? Where is this garden? Where are all those date palms? They're gone. Where is that water source? It's not there anymore. Because it was where this garden was in front of the masjid. Correct? And now the present masjid is bigger than what the city of Medina was at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. So where is that garden? It's gone. So this is the reality of, of the things of this world. It's mal rayih. But when you give it to Allah, it is saved. Now, why does Imam Bukhari bring this hadith? It's obvious. The Prophet ﷺ told Abu Talha to give this garden to who? To his relatives. Right? So from this we learn that charity can be given to relatives and also zakat can be given to those relatives which are needy. But of course there are many things to learn from this hadith. What are some things that you are thinking of? As you heard the story, as you read the story, what came to your mind? Go ahead. Exactly. That, you know, it's amazing. We hear the same Quran and they heard the same Quran. But the companions, I mean, there's a difference between us and them, right? What did they do? When they heard about something, they didn't just think about doing it, they actually did it. When we hear such, you know, inspirational ayat and, and things like that, we think in our minds, if only I could do that, I think I can do that, maybe I should do that, but we only think. Right? The companions, I mean, look at him, he went to the Prophet wasallam, And look at his honesty with himself. That what I love the most is actually this garden. But when it comes to giving something, Right? We keep what we love for ourselves because it has a lot of sentimental value. Even if it doesn't have much worth, it's very important to us. But we see that we are encouraged to give what we love. Go ahead. I think the Sahabas were 
taking the Quran literally. Like unlike now, a lot of us are waiting for some kind of explanation first before before doing yeah. what I mean, he heard the ayah. He understood that, okay, you're supposed yeah. to give what you love. And he checked himself, what do I love? What do I love the most? And I'm supposed to give it. So I want to give it. You know, he didn't hesitate. If you talk about a good deed, just mention it and he has already done it. And mm-hmm. secondly, giving something to closest relatives at times is the most difficult part. So he did not argue with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that yes, why my relatives? Yes. Then you know maybe extend the masjid over here or you should move here. Why my relatives? Because you know when it comes to giving charity, we we think of everybody except for our relatives. But the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam encouraged him, give it to your relatives. We also, when we covered Sulaq Gahaf in our class, we were talking about the man with the two gardens. And the way you were describing this garden reminded me of his garden. And there was two similar situations. You have a man that loves their garden so much, but then they have so two very different outcomes. One, because he was so selfishly clinging on to it and convinced that it was never going to end, that then Allah destroyed it and it became nothing. And then in this garden... He immediately gave it up and then the Prophet in his own mercy was like, actually, you know what, just keep it in your family so that he wasn't like distanced away from what he loved. Like he still had the ability to see it and even use it and give it to his family. So subhanAllah, this is a mercy. So here it was charity, of course. But from this we see that if it is better to give charity to a relative because there is more reward over there, then why not zakat? Where the relative is in need. So then you get double reward. We see here that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, he gave the best of his property. It wasn't just very valuable in every possible way. It was also beloved to him. Right? There are some things that we own which are very expensive, but we don't really like them. And then there are other things that, that don't really have much worth, but we like them a lot. And things which are valuable and we also like them even more important to us. So we see here that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu gave the best of his property and this is something that we should also think about. In another narration we learned that he said, وَإِنِّي أَتَقَرَّبُ بِهَا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ That I want to give this in order to draw close to Allah the Exalted. That was his intention. Because you see, the things that we like, you know, they occupy a place in our lives. How? You know, of course, we have spent money on them, right? And then, of course, our mind is also occupied with, you know, taking care of them or using them. And then, of course, these things, as much as we don't want, sometimes also become a barrier between us and Allah. That even in Salah, sometimes we're thinking about, about what? The things that we love. So, for example, a person is wearing a really nice, Jacket, for example, and in Salah, they're worried, if I take it off, what if somebody takes it, right? Somebody steals it from the masjid. They're standing in Salah and the mind is where? On the shoes. What if somebody steals them? You know, it's very natural that when you like something too much, it can, it can almost become unhealthy. Isn't it? When you keep giving, when you keep giving, and you also give the things that you like, you are consciously detaching yourself from this world, and you are freeing yourself. Right? So this is how it becomes a means of drawing close to Allah the Exalted.
Also we see over here that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, he loved this garden and he had no hesitation in admitting that. And we think that if you're really righteous, you can't love things. Right? We think that loving things of this world is against piety. But we see that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, he admitted that he had no shyness or hesitation. We also learn about Umar radiallahu anhu, that he got a certain piece of land in Khaybar and it was very beneficial for him because he would get a lot of produce from it. And when you have a land like that, of course, it's it's your source of income. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said that I have a piece of land better than which I have ever got, meaning it's the best land that I have ever owned. So Ya Rasulullah, what do you advise me to do? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he said, the Prophet ﷺ told him, if you want, you can keep it as a waqf. Meaning, whatever profit you get or whatever produce you get from this garden, give it in charity. So that's what Umar anhu did. And this is from where the concept of waqf started. That you don't just give a certain amount in charity, you give a source of income or something that generates money as charity. You understand? There's a difference. Because if you give, for instance, $1,000, okay, very soon it will be used up. But if you give something that generates money, can you give me examples of that? Hmm? Something that generates money. Okay, like a rental property. right? So for example, you have a shop, or let's say a house, or an apartment, right? and you give that, for example, to a charity or to you know to a masjid for instance and then they rent it out and whatever money they get is used by the masjid for instance you understand so this is waqf this is something that will continuously bring profit so that's what umar radiallahu anhu did here we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told him to give it to his relatives then we also see here that when abu talha radiallahu anhu decided to give that in charity the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam congratulated him Right? And he praised him that bakh, bakh, right? This is excellent. And this is something that we should also do. That when we see that someone's giving charity, we should congratulate them, we should encourage them, we should praise them. But unfortunately, it happens sometimes that one person gives charity and the spouse gets a little worried that how come you didn't ask me? How come you didn't consult me about this? Right? What about this expense and that expense? I mean, yes, of course, these things should be uh, you know, there should be consultation. But if someone wants to give charity, is giving charity, then you should congratulate them. Likewise, if children are sharing, right, or they're putting some money in the sadaqah box, congratulate them, praise them. Also, we see here that Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, I mean, if you think about it, he could have given that garden in charity himself. But he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why? Because People of knowledge sometimes can advise you what good deed to do. Isn't it? Like we see here that the Prophet ﷺ advised him to give it to his relatives. And when he gave it to his relatives, he got double reward. If he had given it to just any random person, would that bring him double reward? No. So this shows that we should consult the people of knowledge when we are thinking of giving you know some charity or or even some other good deeds that if we want to do also we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to enter that garden right and he would drink from it so this shows that you are allowed to drink from your 
friend's water as long as they don't mind. You're allowed to eat from your friend's food when you know that they won't mind. And of course, charity given to the relatives is indeed better. Anything else you'd like to add?